Welcome to Clareton Conversation, a podcast of voices from the creative industry. Here, we explain voices about how we ended up, where we ended up, and we share great works of art that inspired us and that we, in turn, create. These are our first few episodes, and we're really pleased that we've had the opportunity to come together. My name is Katie Espester, and I'm the editor and publisher behind Claret Press and Clapham Publishing Services. Our guest today is Alex Reeds. Alex is a writer and podcaster, known for his two podcasts, Mostly Lit and What Matters with Alex Reeds. He curates a blog on mindfulness, well-being and personal development called The Space In Between on alexreeds.co.uk. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you. You start off as a journalist. (laughs) And you moved into podcasting. Yeah. How did that happen? That's a journey right there. Oh well, so I don't know. It was kind of a, it's kind of a really crazy um, time for me in 2016, and um, I was trying to figure out at the end of 2015 what I wanted to do, what I really wanted to get into, and like I've always loved writing. I've always loved creating, whether that meant uh, music, whether that meant acting, whether that meant just writing general short stories and articles and stuff. So I remember I was teaching English abroad and I had like a list of, I had like three options in front of me. It was drama school, it was journalism, or it was go on and do a master's somewhere else in, in, in something like linguistics or something mm. along those lines. And then um, my dad just like sent me a link to a journalism trainee scheme. I kind of meandered down that kind of path just to see what that would be like because I ultimately wanted to write full time. And I wanted to like get the training of writing full time and just to see what how I can kind of develop myself in that discipline. But I'd always love speaking and I'd always love audio. So I wanted to go into journalism, but then I also wanted to go into radio. And then the podcast yeah. kind of like creates yeah, it's, itself. It's for me. to me, Alex, that we've we I keep encountering when I talk to creative peoples that actually the amount of overlap between the different disciplines, um, you know, kind of writing audio, which you would think would be quite distinct, because audio is almost musical. Exactly. And it has a, a comp- you know, kind of a different rhythm or a different beat or a mm-hmm. different feel than than the word. Yeah. And yet the amount of overlap between the creative pursuits, and you've just named three, which yeah. writing, acting, and audio, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. that pretty much covers the gamut. Yeah. So yeah. you're you're obviously got a creative drive. Yeah. And I really figured out I really, when that came up in my life, like I, after like four or five years working in journalism in like a really intense newspaper and several intense newspapers actually. And then um, I looked around and I thought to myself, I'm really losing the kind of like my artistic feel for mm. things. Like I speak languages, I like, I play piano. I, played the, I used to play the saxophone. I sing, I act, I write essays I write like I write things and I create things and I create podcasts and whatnot and um when my mind was just being so consumed with like just trying to be so logical with like a profession and just say you know I'm, I, I write therefore journalism journalism mm. is a career career can last for however long I really found out that there's no one way to have a career yes. there's no one way to do it so especially in the modern day in this, especially in this modern time and um one of the things that my passions were so like intense and encroaching on me, like, and they hated being inhibited by all of this stuff. <laughs> like, literally, I had one demon on my my right saying, "You need to be writing. Why are we not writing now?" Yeah. Or one demon saying, 
Alex, your piano is sitting there. Like your keyboard is sitting there. Can we can we can we start playing some music? What can, what are we gonna do? Like you have this drive to really create and embody a character. Why are we not at drama school? Why are we not doing all this stuff? And I was like, I wanna. I, I, I there was a part of me that loved doing all of this for so long, and then it just got put on hold because as a lot of creative people tend to have, sometimes they get caught up in the, I want to be, I'll need to do something that makes sense to everybody else. Sure. And if it makes and sense, then it makes and sense. And Alex, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, you're a day or two younger than I am, shall we say. And, uh, but yes. there is something about being able to stand on your own two feet. Definitely. Especially when you're young, you know, and the, the, the you know the great drawback of the creative industry is is the lack of of financial security in it, or indeed any kind of financial anything in it. And you know when you're young, in particular, you kind of need to have the loose change that you can be your own man. I, how how did you solve that yeah, problem? So, I mean, I I, I worked for so long, um, and obviously in my back of my mind, that was like. Okay, so I know nothing lasts forever. I think I come from the generation of, you know, nothing is permanent. Everything is ephemeral. Everything's going to come and go at some yeah. point. Um, no job is forever. Um, Which is both a blessing and a curse, yeah, the fact that you yeah. know it. Yeah, so you know, it, was all about, yeah. it was all about future-proofing, um, kind of the way I wanted to curate and keep my career and the kind of things I wanted to do. So to be a journalist doesn't... Be a journalist doesn't mean to sit in a newsroom for 20 years for me personally it it means curating contacts it means like generating a story it means having the level of empathy to tell the stories that people can't necessarily always tell um and that's my perspective on journalism itself and i always thought though i can always do that and i can definitely do that via my podcast i can do that via my my own personal posts i can do that by speaking to various people and writing for various other places so a career can be curated that way it's just once you it's about getting it started and keeping it going that's yes, the, yes. that's a difficult thing um but with regards to the money bank standing on your own two feet it's some it's a risk and i realized it like I, when i left um i worked at the metro the newspaper i worked there and i left it there at the end of december 2018 and i said you know like i want to try it at least I've got given myself a four month window four mm-hmm. five month window mm-hmm. I said let me try it I want to try and do other things I want to write for other places I want to put my voice in other spaces and see how I can develop and grow in that and um, obviously you save your money you, you do it you, you do it wisely some people just jump in with nothing and you know it gives them that hunger and that drive to say okay I've got nothing so I need to you know build from something i got to make this work right for me I was very much like I want four to five months salary saved so that at least I can say that I'm still consistently earning yes, in, a, yes. in a very like abstract way that I'm still like yeah. this is the money that I've got well then you don't have to think about it for five months exactly so at least you know, I know so that that's happening you know you've bought yourself a window a where you can zone out exactly. on the money issue exactly and just zone in on exactly, creating yeah. a job yeah and like the idea is the idea is as a creator is to get creative yes you know so it's like like sit on my backside and just say, okay, well, oh, I don't have any money this month. Then you just wait for it to come. Well, well it's very stressful. It's yeah, just it's, so it's stressful. It's very stressful. But sometimes you do have to step out there and like really try and do the things that push you and challenge you in a way, yes. you know? So whether it means looking around your room and thinking to yourself, okay, what don't I use? Can I, what can I sell? 
What can yes. I put out there? I've got a ton of books. Who am I going to write? Who am I going to write reviews for? Should I start writing reviews now? Should I start yes. putting my reviews out there? It's just become you start to start thinking laterally and start thinking where can I where can I place myself that will encourage people to see what I'm capable of. Fantastic. How successful has this been for you? Um, it depends on how you define success. True. Fair enough. That was an unfair question. I, I, can I, I'm going to take that back. I'm so sorry, Alex. In fact, I'm going to do something far more radical than ask a bad question. I'm going to ask a potentially, um, you know. Brace the, myself. Yeah, brace yourself because it's the elephant in the room question. Okay. okay. Here we go. Elephant in the room question. Here you are in the creative arts. Mm-hmm. You're working in literature. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about mostly lit the podcast, which yeah. I have to say I'm a subscriber to and have been now for about a year or so. Oh, thank you. Fantastic discussion around books. And it's very authentic. It's very down to earth. Yeah. And here you are, this kind of, the elephant in the room is the fact that you are a great, big, scary ass black man. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. like, you talk about subverting the dominant paradigm if there's a yeah. stereotype i gotta tell you you're breaking that stereotype yeah. and i think that like i found that a lot of my a lot of my life is breaking stereotypes because um the reason why we started uh, mostly lit back in so long ago now um was because all the th- podcasts and all the content that was created around discussing books and literature were always done by typically white women um and then in the more you know curated and clipped um, conversations were around older white men and it wasn't um, representative of anything that I was a part of. I didn't see myself in any of these conversations that were being had. And I, I, know, I know this is hard to believe but I don't see myself in those conversations and I'm an older white woman. And this is a problem. Yeah, you problem. know, it's kind of like... <sighs> when everything yeah. is so curated and clipped to the point where um, what do you mean by clip? So, so like, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of authors, and when, when at my time at the Metro, I interviewed a lot of authors, and a lot of, a lot of them were predominantly white and whatnot. It did not a problem at all. It was just more like it was so the conversation wasn't free flowing. It was very reserved. I don't know whether that's because of the British culture to be reserved and to be kind of protective of um, content or mm. things to sharing or not necessarily know what they want to share or that, that lack of trusting oneself, mm. you know. Um, but I found that, and then that was kind of the similar culture that I heard when I was listening to Radio 4 talk about books, for mm-hmm. example, or I was listening to other things um, talking about books. So I just said, you know, I want to talk to my friends. Let's talk to my friends we have discussions about books all the time. Let's get together and talk about books and let's just do it on a podcast and see who wants to hear and listen. And people wanted it. People loved listening to it and they wanted to hear us speak about these books in a candid way, not in a, so so tell us um, about your, <laughs> about the, you know, the literary, where did it come from? Where was you? Where yeah, it from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be like, so why did you write the book? And yeah. where did the book come from? And yeah. all this stuff. And people want to hear it in a way that it like, doesn't sound like it's so scripted. Yeah. You know? yeah. And and, what's it received accent and all of yeah, that? The yeah. RP, all yeah. that stuff. And like, you know, we just received come, pronunciation. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. We come at it just from a place of like, we're talking literally every week. We're just talking to a friend. Yeah. And they come out and, you know, every guest we've had, they've been like, oh my gosh, I didn't expect it to be like that. And I'm like, well, what did you expect it to be like? We're, we're the same people we are off air as we are on air. So sure. if you're talking to us on the street, probably be a bit more um, unrefrained, but 
on air, we're going to be pretty much the same. Yeah, we're going to be us. Yeah. Us is us. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, I, I have a, a friend, a Canadian friend, who was a journalist at the Canadian equivalent of the BBC called mm. the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting yeah. Corporation. Yeah. And he got the gig to read the nightly news when everybody else was not watching, mm-hmm. essentially. You know, kind of the wee hours of the morning. And uh, and he said one of the things is that you, you realise is that you can't really hide who you are. And the, the more real you are with the camera and the microphone in front of you, the better you are at doing the news. Yeah. Which isn't what you would think. You'd be, because you do think it's kind of... Yeah. I think it's the same for like for writing as well, though, isn't it? Like, I always had this thing about... Um, I'd always talk to other writers and just say, like, I can't find my voice. I find it difficult to find my voice. And they just say, well, write in the way that you would speak. Mm-hmm. Or as if you're talking to somebody... Obviously, when you get when the book gets when the writing gets edited or whatever, it gets edited in a particular way. But write as if you were speaking to somebody. Therefore, your vo- it stays authentic. Yeah. And the rest can be kind of like wheeled out or like you know done in yeah. editing. Yeah. One of my first editing jobs I had was um, for a country station. Um, I don't want to name names. I met lovely people, and they had a young journalist who could kind of sniff out a story, you know, kind of like, ooh, two blocks down and one block over, there's a there's a shady deal going on. And she mm-hmm. could sniff it out, couldn't write it up. <laughs> and uh, and I I was kind of hired in on an ad hoc basis. You're 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 young, she's young, sort it out. Yeah. And um one of the things that I, that I got her to do was to take the information and write it in a letter to her sister. And I can't, I can't even remember her sister's name, Jane, Mary. I can't remember Susan. <laughs> and it was like, I was checking out this corrupt deal by a shady landowner, um, you know, one, two blocks down and one block over. And, mm. and that was what broke it apart and turned it into a, uh, a viable story, was writing a letter to her sister. Yeah. It's these simple techniques, these tricks, these, these, these writing hacks, mm. I think can help uh, people... Um, find their voice yeah. and before the internet was invented these were almost kind of care- carefully cultivated and passed down from editor to editor and now of course you just have to look it up on google yeah. and <laughs> that'll tell you how to do it yeah yeah i think but then like there's uh, people are always innovating new ways always putting through different um techniques in different ways and always like expanding on what has already been done before sure. they say that there's nothing new under the sun yeah. And it's more about, you know, it's just as we say, it's just, as I said, it's just about expanding on the, the stuff that's been created before you. Well, you Every, know, there's that famous book, yeah. the seven plots of every novel or whatever okay. it is, where they, it's, they really, you can, I don't know if you've ever read it, but no. it's, it's uh, the, this university professor realized having done endless overview courses of, of literature mm-hmm. that actually there's only seven plots yeah. in the entire world and he proceeds to break down the history of literature and you think oh I had never thought of the book that way oh, uh, okay and yeah. at the end at the end of the book you're kind of convinced there's only seven plots yeah 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 <laughs> so uh, tell us about the work of art that you brought in that so inspired you okay so uh, there was a book that I read um and like I don't necessarily always read non um young adult fiction, so I want to say I want to put two in actually. Um, one of them is young adult fiction. It's by a, an author called Tommy Adiemi, and it's called Children of Blood and Bone. And 
Um, I had the pleasure of interviewing her last year and a few days ago as well when she came back. Um, she's an American author. And, uh, you know, this this piece of art, as we can, as we will put, so put it, is really... It's really captivating, and it really what it's about is about a young woman, and um, it's set in set in mythical Nigeria, and um, in a Nigeria that's lost magic, mm-hmm. and you know that in a Nigeria that had magic and was taken away and it was hidden and kind of and anybody that was magical was persecuted for having such magic on them um, by the royal family, and um, it was such a such a poignant read because growing up someone that loved fantasy books it was a clear thing that there was nobody that I could look at and think to myself oh maybe I could be that wizard or maybe I could be that um, telepath or I could be Mm -hmm. whatever and watch reading this and having it so steeped in Nigerian and Yoruba folklore and um you know, discussing discussions about names and African names and the power in like you know native languages and stuff. It really evokes some sort of um, an energy in me to think to myself, you know, right, what I can write, I can what I can write about right, pertaining to my story or to other people from like you know ethnic minority background stories. They can they want to be heard. People want to hear these stories. Like it takes sometimes it takes one piece of work to kind of open up a door for Absolutely. other people to start. You know, saying, "Hey, all right, you've got this book um, by this, you know, this Nigerian American author. What about a Black British version, or what about a Black yes. British aspect or perspective on such and such?" And all of these doors and windows are starting to be open now, and conversation is starting to happen around these things. Thank goodness, too. And yeah, you know, as someone who has to plow through innumerable pitches yeah. for uh, books. Um, and, you know, when Game of Thrones had just kind of exploded into the public consciousness, mm-hmm. it was it, just endless versions of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And and I actually like fantasy yeah. literature. I'm, yeah. I'm not hostile to fantasy literature at all. Mm-hmm. But you get to the point where you think, enough already, people. Yeah, enough. We need to find a new take on this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we want to see perspectives. You know, we want to yeah. see different, something different happening. So I, I'm not convinced that... The only people who might be interested in it are those from the minority community. Mm-hmm. I think people like me might very well be interested in that too. Yeah, and this is the thing. Like, it's open to everybody to read. Like, no piece of literature is just for one particular person. Absolutely. This is what, this is what I've come to understand. And it's everything can be read by anybody and anybody can see something in them in these books in themselves like you don't have to have the same race as the as the protagonist for you to empathize with the protagonist's love story or the the revenge story or any of these things you don't have to so i think we're kind of when i don't think we're post-race yet just yet Mm. but we're very much um people i think people are really cottoning on especially the generation coming up after me they're going to have a lot more of a perspective on these things and just think, oh, they're just reading a story, not really understanding that generations before them, they had to have fought quite a lot to get to those stages where it could just be a story. And um, I think that's kind of where we... Where well, we do I don't to think a there. story is ever just a story. Yeah. You, for example, let me mm-hmm. give you a, a very uh, trivial example. Okay. At Christmas time, they did a... Uh, a version of Watership Down on BBC as a Christmas family episode. Okay. Yeah, that's the one about the bunny rabbits. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was very hesitant to watch it with my kids because 
the book, book itself is full of such violence mm-hmm. and uh, loss and confusion and uh, uncertain leadership mm-hmm. uh, that, for me, it wasn't just a story about rabbits. And I was pretty sure the BBC would not be able to capture that, um, the complexity of that story, much less the horror of what they were experiencing. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, they gave it their level best. In fairness to the BBC, they, you, could, you can see that some effort went into it. Okay. But it turned out that the author who wrote it, Richard Adams, had fought in World War II. And what he was actually talking about was not rabbits in the South Downs. Yeah, yeah. He was talking about, about his own experience, which yeah. he had translated into a story about a, some bunnies. Yeah. And, and that's when you... When I learned that at Christmas time, um, having loved this book for how many decades, mm-hmm. I thought, ah, oh, well, that would explain the story. Because I remember it kind of exploding into my consciousness when I was a kid. Right, and yeah. thinking, you know, kind of like, do adults have any adults actually read this? Because yeah. if they did, there's no way I'd yeah. be permitted to read this stuff. And, that, and that's the amazingness about stories, you know, because like one person could re- watch that for example, and not go and research the author or where the author came from to write something like that. They could watch it and take it as it is and think, wow, I understand loss in that way. I understand grieving in that way. I understand pain in that way. Some people will take it like yourself and go and research the author and think, oh my God, like it just kind of adds an added element Mm. and added intensity. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's, I guess there's so many ways just to kind of to see the story. Yeah. There's so many ways to hear it. Well, it can and, speak to you at so many yeah, different It speaks to everybody level. differently. Exactly, yeah. in particular. So, Alex, um, you said you had a second book that made an enormous impression yeah. on you and encouraged you to go into, or yeah. it, maybe not, maybe it wasn't a it, book, maybe it's it something else. Um, so, I feel like you would have known. Uh, you know who David Sedaris is? You I know, love Dave Sedaris. Now, David Sedaris, he is one of my... Um, which, which one? So is? I think the first book I picked up was um, Dress Your Family in, in Corduroy. Corduroy's, and, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and I recently um, read Naked and mm-hmm. Skating on Thin Ice. Is mm-hmm. it Skating on Thin Ice? Have you read uh, uh, Me Talk Pretty Someday? No, not yet. No, no, not uh, yet. Yeah. I think I've got that waiting to be yeah. read. I, I, I saw him speak at uh, Cadogan Square. Okay. Where it, it was a paid event, yeah. you know, in which he flip-flop between hilarious stories about growing up with um, things that were completely scatological. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, you know, kind of almost childlike jokes about pooing and things like that. And it's like, it was, it was Dave Sedaris. You think, yeah, that's Dave Sedaris. (laughs) It was a fantastic evening. Yeah, I just think he's absolutely amazing. Just Just the way that he kind of, he basically opened up a way of writing for me that, identifies with the kind of style I like to write because I always thought you know the essay and the short story were separate mm-hmm. were separate mm-hmm. things and he opened up to me and said all right you can do it you can write an amazing essay but just have the amazing personal storytelling element that kind of that you would find in a short story and put it into the essay and then therefore makes it a human story <laughs> like yeah, just, yeah. just a human yeah, story yeah. I read a lot of his um a lot of his stories and thought this can't have happened, but it did, and and it's and it's basically just relaying real life and everyday life and his perspective on things. And I loved um, dress your children in quarter in denim just because it was about the family and about a big yes. family, and yes. that's where I pretty much come from. Yeah. Like a big family that have so many different characters in there and so yeah. many hilarious stories. Yeah. 
and um, yeah, he basically opened up the door and said, "It's possible." Yes, and I think that's where I got a lot of the got a lot of my inspiration from. But you know, he started off in radio, eh? And yeah. He did. So for the P- PBS, I think. Was it PBS yeah. in the United States? Yeah. And I love, and I've always wanted to get into radio. Yeah. So I'm just a bit like, oh my God, is he, is, 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 is he like the imprint of my life yeah, or what yeah. is, what's going on? But yeah. I, it's a, I gave his book, Dress Your Family in Corduroy and Denim, yeah. to my family mm-hmm. um, as Christmas presents. And I have to say, it didn't, to be honest, it didn't go down that well. Oh God, okay. <laughs> be careful. This is like a, this should have come with a public service announcement, like a warning. If you're interested in Dave Sedaris, you know, the. I think we can say it's not, it's not everybody's cup of tea. No. Not everybody finds it absolutely hilarious. No. Um, but no. um, certainly, um, certainly I did. As it turned out, my, my extended family was not as receptive <laughs> I mean yeah I think it's always funny it's always funny when you have a connection with, the, with yeah. a, a piece of art a piece of work and you're just like hey this is amazing and somebody looks at it and it's like is it really it's like trying to share a film that you like or a piece of music yeah. that you like you just, yeah. what you're looking at someone expectantly for them to just and they kind of uh huh yeah. <laughs> and then it just ra- it just really rattles you a little bit and it just yeah and but, I think one of the things that you kind of put your finger on is is with art is that when you find a medium like Dave Sedaris, where he puts comedy, essay writing, and the the and it can be quite touching, quite heartwarming, uh, quite moving. You know, when he writes about his sister's suicide and yeah. his mother's death, yeah. it's not all laughs and chuckles. It's not. It's not. And he manages to kind of, it, and it, he makes it look easy, but yeah. but uh, you just know it's not. Yeah, it's not. And yeah. there was that a, weaving there, together. There's a story. <laughs> there's a story. I mean, it's, it, and it was talking about his sister, one of his sisters, I know he's got uh, like loads, uh, talking about one of his sisters um, sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. okay, so sleepwalking is not, it's, it's quite a serious thing, depending on like you know, anything can happen you know, putting themselves in danger, etc., and they don't know it. And it's just the way that he kind of, the way he told the story of how they found out that she mm-hmm. sleepwalked was hilarious because she would always come down. She doesn't eat meat, but she would come down and she would be eating eating meat <laughs> out of the thing. And he'd be like, why did you eat the turkey? And she's like, I didn't eat the turkey. And then he's like, well, you're in the fridge eating the turkey. And then and she woke up to that. Oh, that's why my mouth was full of like seasoning the next morning. That's why she saw it. <laughs> in the bed. And it was like the way that you told the story was was funny because it, he's bringing a pretty serious topic. Yes. But which, which other people would be like, oh my God, um, you know, Susan was sleepwalking. Da, 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 da. And when he kind of, when he got you so involved in the story, yeah. that you're just like, oh, I can see that happening. I can see why you would, you know, find that hilarious. But obviously now people know that she sleepwalks it's a bit more of a, you know, we can go and get her checked out, we can go and do all yeah. these other things. And it's about how you add the personal flair to it and how you how you bring it to life sort of thing. Any, everybody's got a story, but it's about how you tell it, sure. I guess. Sure. You know. But it, it's, it's, that, it's that, that kind of that flash of recognition when you meet a verge, you, you meet um, a way of expre- telling a story that you think, ah, that's what I've been going for. That's it right there. Mm-hmm. That's the mixture of fact, comedy, storytelling, a beginning, a middle, and end over yeah. an incident. That's, yeah. 
that's what I want to do. Yeah. And it's like a, this, this, this kind of recognition, it's like, mm. poof, mm. there it is. Yeah, and I think it's, I don't think that nobody has to be funny. Like, you know, some people like to just be deep and some people like to get lost in Indeed. you. Indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, I mean, it's Dave Sedaris yeah, for you. But yeah, 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 it's not, yeah, I appreciate the fact it's not, yeah, it's, it's not everybody. Um, it's very true. Everybody's going to choose that particular combination. Yeah, yeah. but these, uh, are, these are my, those are my two. Yeah. Those are my two. And, um, and, and, and tell us about um, what you've created that you're enormously proud of. Oh, my of. God. So, uh, I, as, I, as I said to Katie, I was just like, I've not done much, I don't think, but... I would um, say two podcasts and being a journalist is is, oh. is actually fairly impressive. Okay, come on, That's you know, fair. And, That's and, fair. and actually, you know what? I think this is one of the problems with being in the creative industry mm. is if you're a painter, you compare yourself to Leonardo da Vinci or Michelangelo, yeah. and or, yeah, Michelangelo or Picasso, or and you go, I'm really not good at all. Or if you're a musician, you compare yourself to Mozart. Or if, yeah. if you're if you're a writer, you compare yourself to Shakespeare. You know, and I just think that we have to celebrate our accomplishments. Yeah, we do. We do. Or else um, this is a punishment. Or else this drive <laughs> that we have. Seriously, we just end up lo- self-loathing. Yeah. It just a- ends up in exercise and masochism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'd say that I'm deeply proud of Mostly Lit. Um, an idea that just started in like in the Indian Ocean when I was just like, I want to do a podcast based around the arts in some, in some way, shape or form. And has grown into this amazing award-winning thing that's just, that I never thought would happen. Um... I'm proud of, you know, like starting What Matters with Alex Reads because I always wanted to to have a space to speak about wellness and well-being and, you know, in a way that wasn't um, always, like, woo-woo or whatever, mm-hmm. just having a, just an honest conversation about how people are, you know, dealing with the world and dealing with their creations and stuff. Well, especially over this debate now about toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and you, you know, we're recording this very soon after the horrific shooting in the mosque in New Zealand. Yeah. And then, you know, you just can't get around this whole issue around of toxic masculinity and the feelings yeah. of, of young, particularly white men, <laughs> hilariously, <laughs> feeling threatened yeah. um, and this you know and their response is so so yeah. horrible and and what, what would your did, did you deal with that at all in your podcast with what with regards to toxic masculinity toxic masculinity um, so, every, so every episode is topical it depends on who I'm talking to and um, um, so far most of the men I've spoken to because it is men and women and just I really mm. it, it, it kind of doubles as talking about productivity and creations and, and, and entrepreneurship etc mm-hmm. as well as the vulnerability side and, and that but a lot of the men I've spoken to um, they are very much aware of their masculinity and they're much aware of their vulnerabilities and which is probably why I have them on because they have a sensitivity for the stories that they want to share with with my audience and with their own audience as well and they've all been through particular things and particular issues with regards to like one guy one of my good friends he went through um that he had that toxic phase growing up and then to the point where he was stabbed seven times wow and And survived and survived and it was and and yeah it's an amazing story it was and it was his faith that brought him through Mm -hmm. um We've got fitness experts. We've mm-hmm. got people who created like um, you know shakes and um, other like gone vegan and plant based guys mm-hmm. who this is typically seen as like women doing 
a lot of the the, the well-being like the whole I'm mindful of what I eat sort of thing and then just to have guys come in and talk about you know how they talk about how they see nutrition and what it kind of does for them it just helps it just helps like the conversation it just helps the conversation move forward because when well, we when we're sitting down talking about hypermasculinity toxic masculinity how can we change I can do we just need to start speaking to the right people and then getting those stories out there and then once they once the people that you call toxic hear these conversations hopefully it triggers something in their mind to to try and change at the very yeah. least but yes. you know well you know as a mother of two young men mm-hmm. who are in their late teens early 20s mm-hmm. um i'm very aware of of this issue and there's this precious little i can do it about it as a mom in my opinion mm-hmm. you know maybe i'm Maybe I, maybe that's not true, but I'm very aware that they're having to grapple with issues of what it is to be a man in this day and age, and it's not straightforward. And I, I'm of absolutely no help. Yeah. So I'm really glad there are people like you around creating mm. voices and narratives and stories um, that can reach out to them, yeah. to reach out to all. And this is this I think is the power of creativity yeah. or the creative industry or creative artists or creators is yeah. that we can actually connect with people in the way that that the rest of us cannot yeah, yeah. so yeah thank you for that Alex it, yeah, it literally just starts with an idea and and, it, and let's go back to the, one of the very first questions I asked about surviving th- financially in the creative industry has that has that worked out for you because you're I see you putting you've got about three balls in the air and you're, saying, you're doing podcasts you're doing journalism still you're doing. You're working for the. Are you still working for the metro? No. Yeah. No. 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 Um, so I'm freelancing. You're freelancing. Uh, okay. Some, uh, okay. So I look at it as taking a sabbatical from everything, just to kind of recoup and figure out what I want to do yeah. professionally and whether they can mesh creatively and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm just literally throwing like getting down on my knees and just starting to and doing the, the the hard work and start doing the groundwork just to see like where my heart lies and I find that it does lie in creation and it does lie in human stories and it does lie in um, telling stories and this is why I look into documentary filming this is why I look into writing this is why I look into writing my own pieces and journalistically and then having these conversations on podcasts because I'm so immersed in the human story and the human experience because we all go through so much each day and throughout our lives and we're consistently encountering stories and it's about you know for me trying to share that and get those out there and get those voices out there and speak some more about particular things particular things that kind of inhabit us as as humans like we go through such a plethora of things each day like it's exhausting. Yeah, it is very exhausting. <laughs> and, you know, we can let it, like, and to the point where we can just get so bogged down about yeah. things. Because a lot of the time, we always think we're going through something alone or we're the only person to ever gone through something like this. Yeah. And I look around and I think, when I get very, you know, introspective, like very insular yeah, to yeah. myself, Inside yourself, yeah. then I, I have the have an amazing support network who will kind of say, listen, this is happening. Like, you know, bring it, let's let's start to look outward now. Let's start yeah. to look outward. Don't get too drawn inward. Let's start looking outward and start having, and you know, these things happen in life. Like, let's, let's figure out how we deal with it. Let's have the conversation. And it's those conversations that always brought me out of my darkest places. So... But Alex, don't you think that's what creativity does? It, mm-hmm. it is, it's that extremely unusual fusion of 
the interior dark spaces that mm. we we kind of all our soft squishy bits that we don't want anybody to poke us yeah. and bringing it into the light yeah and yeah it's about, it, yeah. it's not an easy thing to do it's not always comfortable it's not comfortable necessarily to even witness somebody else doing it mm-hmm. much less do it yourself yeah and i i think that that's both the that that's the real gift that that creativity can do is because it can bring it out. Yeah. But you act as if the way from the sounds of what you're saying is that you sound as if this is actually being a creativity is not just a drive. It almost sounds like a healing process for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. It does. It does heal me. Like when I'm broken <laughs> or when I feel broken, I go to my piano. Yes. When I'm feeling particularly riled up, I get that keyboard, well, my, get my computer keyboard and start writing out exactly the the, the, the story that I want to, to tell. You know, I, when I get into those spaces, like, I create because mm-hmm. it, it helps me yeah, yeah. cope with what's happening. It exercises the it demons. It exercises the yeah. demons, the yeah. dementors, whatever you want yeah. to call them, the gremlins. It helps me exercise them. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you, Alex? Oh, who knows? I am writing... Um, I'm writing, 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 writing. So I'm in the process of throwing together pictures and stuff just to see what's out there. Um, producing the podcasts. Um, at this stage, nothing at the minute. I mean, I'm just, I'm just putting stuff out. It's there. all just bubbling around inside. It's all it, bubbling it, inside. I'm, I have no doubt it will come out. <laughs> I'm trying to formulate. I'm trying to formulate. I'm trying to yeah. put it out there. So very soon. Hey, well, good luck. I wish you the very, very best with that. Yeah. I um, wish you the very best with um, reaching out to people with your Mostly Lit podcast Amazing. so that we can get more books discussed and appreciated and reach more people with them. Yeah. And and with your second podcast about health and well-being, yeah. um, not exclusively devoted towards um, young men's health, but, you know, unusually... Yeah. engaged in yeah. with young men's health yeah. um, you know as a as a mother of boys thank you very much no i appreciate that thank you um and we're looking forward to hearing uh, what else burbles up from inside you <laughs> very soon yeah thank you very much alex reeds from writer and, writer and podcaster and you can find alex's podcasts they're called mostly lit and the other one's called what matters with alex reeds you can also follow him, um, his blog uh, called The Space In Between on alexreads.co.uk. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And follow us on Facebook or subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with the latest news, events, and podcast updates. The newsletter is available through our Claret Press website or our Clapham Publishing Services website. Claret and Conversation is hosted by myself, Katie. It's produced by Alex Holmes and edited and engineered by Chelsea Moore. We've had additional assistance from Hugo Zhang. <laughs>